welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. This is part four of our series going through the book of Jonah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. Thank you, Jesus. You guys okay if I preach today? Jonah chapter three. This is where we are. We've been going through the book of Jonah. Verse one, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Come on, anyone happy that God didn't give up on you after the first time? He said, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city, so it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. This is so good. Doesn't matter how messed up your life has been, doesn't matter where you've come from, all you have to do is believe God. And so a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. I want to call our message today the power of obedience. The power of obedience. Come on, can we put our hands together one more time? You guys can find a seat this morning. Thank you so much to our worship team for leading us today. Uh, just feels good, man, to praise together. You guys excited today to be here? Come on, you guys sound good. I love the energy today. So we are in a series right now going through the book of Jonah. Uh, can you guys, anyone been here for like every part of this series so far? So I got, I got some great news, especially like if you struggle to read the Bible. Maybe you're like, I've never read the Bible before. If you are in this series with us, beginning to end, you will have read the entire book of Jonah. So you can say, I've read a book. Come on, somebody. And so uh, if you've missed any of the parts, they're all online. You can catch up. And then next week, uh, assuming the baby stays in my wife's stomach, we're going to finish this series next week, the whole book of Jonah. So um, really quick recap kind of of where we've been. Uh, There's a prophet His name is Jonah. Jonah gets a word from the Lord. He says, go to Nineveh, preach a message. Jonah, if you guys recall, he goes the opposite direction, and he gets stuck in some ish, and then there's a storm, and giant fish swallows him, and what we found out was in the fish, Jonah kind of begins to see the grace and the mercy of God. Jonah himself kind of preaches this gospel message that salvation comes from the Lord. And then Jonah is spat onto land. And where we just read in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah, as we again just read, goes to Nineveh. So that's where we're going to be today. We're going to look at Jonah's time in Nineveh. And really what I want to do is I want to dig into... Um, what I think is a cultural value that a lot of us would hold near and dear. Um, I would say that for a lot of us, we value freedom. Would you guys agree? And and, and maybe another way, we we value our personal autonomy. We We don't necessarily like what to be told to do or not to do, we don't like to be told where to go or where not to go. Am I preaching to anyone today? There's just kind of something inside of us that like, I don't want people to tell me what to do. And Jonah chapter one, if you guys were here, we kind of looked at what happens when like, you don't follow what God tells you to do, right? We said, you're probably gonna get stuck in some ish. If you missed the message, go check it out. What I want to do today, though, is I want to show us, because we looked at what happened when we're disobedient. Uh, Even last week, right, talked about the passive judgment of God, the active judgment of God. Today, what I want to do is I want to show us what happens when we are actually obedient. What can happen when we follow God's way? And really what I want us to do today is I want us to begin a revolution of obedience, 
in a culture that is shifting towards freedom, autonomy, don't tell me what to do. I want to shift towards a revolution of obedience because I believe that when we are obedient to the word of the Lord, everything changes. So I'm going to preach today Jonah chapter 3. Can we do that? You guys ready to go? All right. So this is what it says in Jonah 3. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, right? First time, disobedient. Again, second time. He says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And so Jonah chapter 1, if you read it, and Jonah chapter 3, the words are pretty well identical, The command that God gives Jonah in chapter 3 and the command he gives him in chapter 1 are virtually identical. Uh, And the reason being is because you and I are supposed to see something, right? If we've been following along the journey, we see that God gives the command. Jonah is disobedient, but God in his grace and his mercy. Because understand this, when Jonah was disobedient, even after he says, salvation comes from the Lord, thank you Jesus, like, God could have found someone else if he wanted to. I need you to understand this. You and I, we're all replaceable. God, if he wants, he can find someone else. But the mirror of these words from Jonah chapter 1 and Jonah chapter 3 are supposed to show us the goodness of God. That he is giving Jonah another opportunity and he's saying, Jonah, I still have an assignment for your life. Now, This is where I believe that our story and Jonah's stories intersect. I thought I was going to (laughs) sneeze. I've never had to sneeze when I'm preaching in my life. I don't know what that was. Um, Everyone's still awake this morning? You guys thought I was getting filled by the spirit there or something. This is where, Jonah 3, this is where our story and Jonah's stories intersect. Because what we see throughout the book of Jonah is that God has an assignment for Jonah. Here's what I believe to be true for you and I in this room today. God has an assignment for your life. Every person in this room, understand this, God has an assignment for your life. As we read these words of Jonah, we can see clearly God has an assignment for Jonah's life. I want to suggest today God has something for you and I as well. Now, I know for a lot of us, it's like, Harrison, I would, I would love to believe that God has an assignment for my life, but like, I've never heard or seen anything as clear as what God says to Jonah. Like, very clear. Go to Nineveh, preach this message. Like, if I, Harrison, listen. If I had something so clear that gave me an assignment, I would do it. Anyone like that? If it's just a little more clear. I'm so glad you asked. Matthew chapter 28. This is Jesus himself. This is to anyone that would claim to be his followers. Kind of sounds a little bit like Jonah. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And Jesus promises, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if you're a good church kid, You know, this verse is generally called the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. This is where Jesus commissions his followers to go. He sends them out. He says, go to all the nations and proclaim the message, proclaim the good news. Now, if you're just seeing this for the first time, this is the Great Commission. If you've been in church for a long time, I want to let you know what it's not called. The great suggestion. You guys, you awake this morning? Jesus doesn't say, guys, if you're in a great season, 
you go. It's the great commission. Right? Some of us have been waiting. I, need, I, need, I just need a sign. I need a word from God to let me know what I need to do. Here it is. Go and share the message of Jesus. And I want you to understand something because anyone in this room, Jesus has changed your life before. Come on, anyone in this place? Few people, amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm believing there are more people that are gonna jump on that train. But for anyone that Jesus has radically changed your life, you know that the very first thing that happens without a doubt every single time is like there's something inside of you that says like, I want other people to know about this. It's like, I, I just, I can't keep this to myself. I remember when, when the Lord changed my life, I, I was at college, and when I came home, I just felt this burning desire, like I needed to teach my siblings everything the Lord was teaching me. And so literally, like, I was like, hey, we're going to wake up at 7 in the morning, and we're going to study the Bible. And I, I don't even know why it had to be 7 in the morning. None of us had real jobs, but I was like, 7 in the morning? And we had to go to the basement for whatever reason. I was like, meet me in the basement. We're going to study the word of God. And I didn't do it perfectly. But the reason I'm telling this story is because what happens is that I believe when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, one of the things that he does, is he says, okay, it's now time for you to look outward. I have, I have more people that I want to experience this message. And so I want you to understand, if you're a follower of Jesus... This is the assignment to go. Now, for some of us, you're like, okay, Harrison, like, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. I'm exploring, I'm trying to see where things land. Like, what's the assignment that God has for my life, if there is a God? Pretty simple. Just say yes. That's the assignment. You guys were here last week, how to get saved? All you have to do is say yes. Just reach your hand out. And so even in this great commission, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to see something. You're supposed to see that there is a God who cares about you, who cares about people that don't know who he is. He cares so much that he has commissioned every single person in the history of Christianity to go. And so I want you to understand something, especially if you're kind of new to faith, and, and maybe you're saying to yourself, like, yeah, like, I have a Christian friend. Like, how come he's so weird? Like, how come he never, like, stops inviting me to church? Like, how come he's just so in my life, in my business? It's because he's on assignment. Because they understand that there is a message that changes everything. And so... I want us to understand because I think in the story of Jonah, there's a whole lot going on that we can miss, I think, one of the bigger points, that there is a God who cares. There is a God who cares enough that doesn't want us to stay where we are. If you have people in your life that are struggling with, with, with dissatisfaction, with brokenness, with hurt, there's a God who cares. And I know for some of us, it's like, well, Harrison, how do I know? How do I know there's a God who cares? Pretty simple. He has commissioned every person ever who follows him to go out and share his love. The church as a whole, the reason we exist is because there's a God who cares. So if you're ever questioning, does God really care? I want you to understand something. Every church you ever pass, not just kingdom church, Every time you see a cross, every time you see a sign, every time you see a billboard, you can know for certain there's a God who cares. Why? Because someone somewhere has answered the call and said, we need to reach people. Now, maybe you didn't know this because I know there's a whole bunch of people who are, who are new to our church. You haven't, you haven't been here for a long time. So I want you to understand the DNA of Kingdom Church. Here's why we exist, if you didn't know. We exist so people far from Jesus could find hope and find healing in his name. We want to lead people into a real and authentic relationship with Jesus. That's why we're here. We exist for lost, broken, hurting people. Our vision for this year, if you guys are a part of our community, you know is, is to go deeper. And I believe that God is rooting us deeper. And 
I ultimately believe the reason that God wants us to go deeper is because the more rooted we are in him, the better equipped we can be to go reach people. Our first year when we started the church, um, our, our very first vision uh, word that the Lord gave us, because every year we just ask God, what's the word, what's the word for this year? And I believe the first word that God gave us um, is a word for like the entirety of our church's history. Um, but it was pretty simple, it was just for the one. That was our vision, for the one. And, and I believe that what God, God did is he clarified who this church exists for. Like, who does Kingdom Church exist for? We exist for the one. If one person finds hope and healing in the name of Jesus, we are a success because we exist for the one. And so I want you to understand something. If you've ever thought to yourself, like, does God care about me? Like, personally, does he care about me? I want every person to understand that, that has ever made a decision for Jesus in this place. God cares about you so much that he commissioned a group of people to start a church at just the right time, in just the right place, so you, not, 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 not a group, so you could find salvation. That's how much God cares about you. Is everyone following today? God cares. And God commissions because he cares. Here's the issue. For a lot of us, we have a million reasons that we think we're disqualified from sharing about Jesus. Well, I'm just, I'm too messed up. I'm too broken. I'm too busy. Some of us, it's a me season. I've never read my Bible before, except the book of Jonah. <laughs> I shared that when God called me into ministry, I had never read the Bible before, right, other than little pieces. And I shared that to say that God has this amazing way of taking broken sticks and making straight lines. And that's what he wants to do in our lives. And so I really think this message today is, is, is for a lot of people, and it's not anything new. I don't really think I'm bringing a new message today. I think my assignment is just to remind someone Jonah chapter three, verse one, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So listen, you, you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. Here's the word. I'm here to remind you, God still has an assignment for your life. Because I talk, again, we know the moment. Some of us are back in like 1984, like I was so on fire from the Lord. Listen, God still has an assignment for your life. God still has called you to love communities. God has still called us to love our schools. God has still called us to love our workplaces. And so the Great Commission says, go where? All nations. Now, anyone that knows me knows one of my pet peeves, probably also why God called me to St. Albert. I believe all nations means all nations, everywhere. You need to go everywhere. Can I tell you what kind of bothers me a little bit and you guys can pray for me? I really struggle when everyone, not everyone, I really struggle when people are willing to go to every nation except their own. That kind of just rubs me a little bit the wrong way. I'm not saying you're not called to Indonesia. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's a tendency sometimes that I'm called everywhere except here. You want to know what's crazy about Canada if you didn't know this? We have all nations here. It's a very multicultural place if you didn't know that. And, and please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you cannot go do international missions. The gospel needs to go everywhere. I'm just saying if you live here, you better be a missionary here. Because God has something for your life. God has people for your life. And so I'm here to remind someone, God still has an assignment. And so I just want to tell you what the assignment is, is to share who he is. For some of us, listen, it's, it's, it's simply through social media. God has given you a platform, even if it doesn't seem really big. I only have 300 followers. I only have 1,000 followers. Whatever it is, God has given you a platform to share 
the gospel message. Now, for some of us, you need to stop using social media because it's the only way that you share the gospel. And it's actually become a crutch because you will never text your friends personally because it's like, ah, I shared it on my story. And so you need to be obedient to where God is calling you to go and do what God is calling you to say. I know you've been working with John for five years, and it's going to seem really weird, like if I just talk about Jesus today. But listen, sometimes the word of the Lord comes a second time. Now, a lot of us, it's like, I know I want to, like I have that heart, but I'm just awkward. Like I'm not, I'm not eloquent. I don't always know what to say. Um, and listen, I feel you. Because I feel the same way a lot of times. But as I always said, if God's called you to it, he's going to qualify you to get through it. And I think what happens, especially like in, in North American church, is we've kind of copped our way out of actually sharing Jesus with people. Because we've said this thing, which is true, like all we need to do is love people. Like, if we just love people, if we serve people, if we shovel their driveways, if we mow their lawns, if I'm, if I'm the best neighbor ever, then people will just, they'll naturally come to me and say, could you baptize me, please? <laughs> you guys have probably heard this quote before. Um, it, it's... it's it's generally attributed to Frank, uh, to, to St. Francis of Assai, but I found out that's fake news. He didn't actually say this this week in my research, but this is the quote you guys have heard. It says, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Sounds really good, right? Sounds really good. Preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. What it's saying is that like the best gospel message you'll ever preach is your life, your actions, your behaviors. Now, please, please don't misunderstand me because Jesus does say that the, the mark of knowing that you're a follower of him is how you love people. That's what he says. So, so don't misunderstand me. You, you should love people. In fact, if you, if you don't love people, if you're kind of a jerk, you got bigger issues. Bigger fish to fry. But this quote says, preach the gospel at all times and only when necessary use words. Here's the question. Is this true? Is this, is this, is this quote true? I would say it's not necessarily false, but I think it's misleading at best. Because it takes us off the hook from two things. Number one, scripture. And number two, I think the gospel message in and of itself. Because hear me, if ultimately the message of Jesus is the fact that he has done all the work, why do we think that people are going to get saved through our good work? I don't know if you guys heard that one. I'll let it stew a bit. You can think about that tonight. But let's go to Scripture. What does Scripture say? Romans chapter 10. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, super simple. Everyone that calls will be saved. Amazing. But look at verse 14. It says, But how then can they call on the name of the Lord? How can they, can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. I love, this verse is beautiful, but it's also kind of haunting. All who call on the name of Jesus will be saved, will be set free. But Paul, who wrote Romans, he says, but how can they call on his name if they don't know who he is? Hear me. Keep shoveling your neighbor's walk. Keep going and doing good things because followers of Jesus, we don't do it because we have to. We do it because this just lives inside of us. Christ has changed my life. But 
That doesn't take me off the hook from sharing with my mouth who and what God has done in my life. I know this might be controversial, but no one will accept Jesus because you mowed their lawn. And hear me, next week is serve day, and we're going to mow some people's lawns. <laughs> but there's a reason Paul says how beautiful, and he's quoting scripture, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. There's something amazing, something spirit, something just so unique when we actually open our mouths and share the message of Jesus. It's beautiful. And so, We've kind of left Jonah. Let's go back to him for a second. Just preaching today. It says in in Jonah chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. I don't think we had the slide. It's probably my fault. But Jonah obeys the word, and then he goes, and he shares the word with the city of Nineveh. Now, what's important, again, is that this message of uh, repentance and judgment was also one of love and mercy. To let them know something's happening, but it doesn't have to happen. I know we live in a culture and a time where we don't want to tell people that bad things are happening to them, will happen to them. But the truth is this, you cannot tell someone the bad things are happening regardless. And I'm not even talking about the end of time. We talked about last week, passive judgment, right? What happens when we just follow our own ways. Jonah, all he did here was he shared what God instructed him to share. He went through the whole city just sharing. He, what was he, he was being obedient to the assignment. If I was 18, I would say like Jonah understood the assignment. Thank you, a couple young people. My TikTokers out there. Kelsey in particular. <laughs> Love you, Kels. Shout out to Kelsey. So Jonah went, understands the assignment. Now, again, it's like, okay, Harrison, Harrison, listen, I get it. I'm assigned, I'm called, I'm supposed to open my mouth, but like, I don't know what to say. Where do I start with people? 1 Peter chapter 3 says this in verse 15. It says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. That's, that's first. Make sure Christ is Lord. That's foundational. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, what Peter is saying, he's saying, I need to be able to articulate how God changed my life. I don't have to know everything, but I do need to know the reason for the hope that I have. And I have to be able to articulate it. This is how God changed my life. This is my testimony. Now, the beautiful thing is like, okay, it's like, Harrison, I can share my testimony. Is that enough? Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. And not everyone will be the most eloquent in understanding the fullness of Scripture. Like, Harrison, I'm not going to be able to describe justification, sanctification, and glorification. It's not going to happen. So what did Jesus do? What did God do? He gave us the church. Ephesians chapter 4, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Why? To equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Here is the beautiful thing. You don't have to be all things. You just have to do your thing. And you have to do the thing that God has called you to do. And sometimes in your coworker's life, in your friend's life, whoever it may be that you feel like is the assignment, sometimes you're only step one. Sometimes you're only going to take people so far because 
you are in that person's life specifically because God has gifted you intentionally for that specific person. So in Ephesians, Paul lays out a couple roles um, in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Um, I'm not all these things, and neither are you. And woe to anyone that claims they're all of these things. I'm a church in it myself. No, you're not. Um, if that offends you, come talk to me later. <laughs> but you are something. You know, one of the things in, in our English language is that we use terms, and biblical terms specifically, that don't necessarily fully encompass what the Bible's talking about. Um, in, in churches, we, we generally call people like me pastors, right? Pastors, shepherds. Um, and in terms of giftedness, my main giftedness that the Lord has given me is not that of a pastor. A pastor altogether, you know, in, in biblical terms, is, like, is a shepherd, right? It's the ability to shepherd. And if you know me well, that's not my main giftedness, right? Like God has gifted me in different ways. And I could feel really insecure or I could feel really bad about it or I could thank Jesus that he gives us the church. Because although I lead this church in the role of pastor, I'm so thankful that there are so many people in this church that pastor better than I do. That when someone's going through something, when someone is hurting, when someone has experienced death, we have so many people in our church that are willing to step up and say, hey, God has given me the role of pastor. I have the gift of pastoring. And to be honest, there are a lot of you in this room where maybe your, your main thing is that you have a shepherd's heart. People know they can come to you. But teaching just isn't your skill set. That's okay. Your job then is to shepherd people to the best that you can and then bring them to a place where the word of God can be taught to them, which I happen to believe is a local church. I always say to people, I don't care where you go, but please go somewhere because I want you to experience the fullness of all that God has for you. Can church be messy sometimes? Yep. Can church be messed up sometimes? Yep. Does God have a backup plan? Nope. The gates of hell shall not, will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And so we want to get people here because, not because it's a building or, or, or music or anything, it's because within a church, you experience the fullness of the message because we have different people with different skill sets. And sometimes all we need to do is just stay in our lane. I don't need to be everything, but I need to be who God's called me to be. The success of Jonah in this story is pretty simple. Jonah stayed in his lane. Jonah was a prophet. What did he do? He prophesied. Jonah was a prophet. What happened when he didn't prophesy? Got stuck in some ish. Stay in your lane. Look at the person next to you. Say, stay in your lane. You don't want to say that. Say it a little louder. Stay in your lane. I can't be everywhere. I can't be all things, but I have to be who God's called me to be. And when that happens, crazy things happen. Lives begin to change. Jonah 3, verse 5, it says the Ninevites believed God. What happened when Jonah stood in the Ninevites believed God? A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah... Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh. He rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust, and then he proclaimed, to, uh, and, and he proclaimed, this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the kings and the nobles, do not let anyone, animals, herds, flocks, taste anything. Don't let anyone eat or drink, but let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So the word of the Lord from Jonah comes to the Ninevites and the Bible says everyone 
begins to repent. Now the question is this, could this really happen? Like, could an entire city really turn their ways and repent? Could, 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 could people in high offices, kings, nobles, could they, could they really turn their way? Could this really happen? The answer for me is scripture said it, so I believe it. And so rather than asking could this really happen, I want to know what happened in order for this to happen. And it's pretty simple. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. Here's what I want us to understand. How do lives change? How do cities change? I think there's a very simple formula. You and I need to believe that there is power in the word of God. I need to believe there's power in the word of God. Now hear me. Holy Spirit, one of the, the markers that we have, the Father with us, God is with us, Jesus is with us, and the Holy Spirit at times speaks to us. And that would be an example of the word of the Lord. Many times the word of the Lord will come to us and say, hey, you're called to ministry. Hey, you're called to find a new job. You're called. I want you to talk to your coworker. I want you to talk to your boss. I want you to invite your neighbor over. Those are all words of the Lord. Now, not everything that we think is a word from the Lord is from the Lord. Sometimes you had bad Chinese food. Come on, somebody. And you're just feeling some things. And so I say that not to discredit the voice of the Holy Spirit because I believe that there are so many specific things that God wants for your life that he needs to speak to you. But if you were ever wondering, what is the clearest way in which God has communicated? Or maybe what is the way that I can kind of bounce off what I feel like God is saying to me with some truth? I believe the clearest way in which God has ever communicated to us through us to us specifically here today, is through the Bible. It is the clearest way in which God has communicated to us. Outside of like when Jesus was on earth. But how do we know the words of Jesus? Through the Bible. Come on, somebody. I believe that there is power in the word of God. The word of God changed my life. It is giving me a brand new lens to view everything. I believe the word of God has given me wisdom beyond my years. Why? Because I don't have human wisdom. I have divine wisdom, which takes you further, faster. There's power in the word of God. Question is simply this. Do we believe it? Do we read it? Hear me. If you believe there's power in the word of God, but you don't read the word of God, you don't believe there's power in the word of God. You might say you do because it sounds nice. There's power. Do you read it? No. Do you know what it says? No. There's power in scripture. I believe there's power that God wants to unlock the next step in your life. But some of us, like Harrison, like the Bible is so old. It's an ancient document. Are you telling me there's power in something written 6,000 to 2,000 years ago? There's a, a liberal theologian uh, by the name of John Shelby Spong, and he wrote a book. Uh, it was called, Why Christianity Must Change or Die. So he had a pretty simple premise. He said, in order for us to reach more people in our ever-expanding, ever-changing culture, we need to kind of view Scripture through the lens of culture. Meaning, if there are things in Scripture that don't line up with culture, we kind of got to shift it, change it throw it out because scripture needs to be more inclusive. It need not, he didn't say this, it need not hurt our feelings. And so what he did and what, if you ever wonder, like what's a liberal theologian? A liberal theologian pretty simply is someone that wouldn't hold to a literal interpretation of scripture. Meaning like, 
yeah, the Bible's cool, it's an ancient document, but it's not something to literally take uh, into our lives. And so, again, pretty simple theory. He said, Christianity must change or die. We must not hold to this literal, kind of old, conservative view of the Bible. And he was widely praised. People everywhere thought, wow, this guy gets it. 1999, he won Humanist of the Year. Y'all ever been up for Humanist of the Year? <laughs> Sounds really good, right? We've got to change with the culture. No way we can reach these youngins on TikTok with the old word of God. Here's the question for the 1999 Humanist of the Year. Was his premise correct? Would churches that abandon the conservative, literal view of Scripture thrive while, while those who held tight to it, would they die? Now, thankfully, we have many years since he came up with this premise and uh, the religious research, the review of the religious research, the peer-reviewed journal, uh, did a long study. This is what they found. Conservative Protestant theology with its more literal view of the Bible, is a significant predicator of church growth, while the liberal theology leads to a decline. These results, again, were published in the peer-reviewed journal, um, the Review of Religious Research. So long study, what they found was that churches that abandon what I would say, a belief that there is a power in the word of God, over time, they began to decline. Well, churches that held fast were beginning to grow. Because God has this way of taking human wisdom and making it look foolish. But even more than that, I think the answer is simple. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the word of God. And the power of the word of God is the message of Jesus. And the message of Jesus changes everything. Your assignment, my assignment, is to preach the real and true Jesus, not safe Jesus. You want to know who safe Jesus is? Safe Jesus is swayed and changed by culture. Safe Jesus never asks you to change. Safe Jesus would never judge you. Instead, you judge him. Safe Jesus knows less than you. Safe Jesus doesn't save you because you don't need to be saved. But here's the good news Safe Jesus doesn't exist. He's not real. Can I tell you about the real Jesus? The real Jesus is dangerous. The real Jesus is radical. The real Jesus is full of truth, full of grace, full of mercy, but he's just. I need us to understand this. The word of God says that when Jesus comes into his life, his message will divide families. Brother against sister, mother against daughter. Why? I thought Jesus was all about inclusiveness. He wants you in the kingdom, but sometimes the only way to get you into the kingdom is to divide and to let you know that how you were living before is not where God is calling you in the future. The real Jesus flips tables. The real Jesus loves you too much to allow you to stay where you are. Now, we would say that, well, if, if, if safe Jesus doesn't exist, does that mean I follow dangerous Jesus? No. There's one Jesus, the Son of God, who was born of a virgin, who died a sinner's death at the hands of Pontius Pilate, who hung on a cross for the death of sinners, who on the third day rose to glory. Come on, somebody, who sits now at the right hand of the Father. Who one day, listen to this, he came here as a lamb, slain 
and crucified for the sins of the world. But when he comes back, he's not coming like a lamb. He's coming like a lion. And he's ready to judge the living and the dead. And he's ready to bring home anyone and everyone that wants to exist in glory. And so the question I have to ask today is, do I want to follow the safe Jesus who really is me? Or do I want to follow the real Jesus who changes everything? It's going to cost you, though. It's going to cost you. Because the real Jesus won't always be popular. We love, the, we love that Jesus is loving and that he's loved, which he is. We don't like that Jesus judges, which he will, and which you will one day be judged. I want you to understand something, though. I'm going to follow the real Jesus because I don't care if I win humanist of the year but I never get the crown of glory that the Father's gonna put on my head one day. And that's why Paul says in Romans chapter one, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. So I want us to understand something, church. This assignment, for some of us, you're, you're, you're on assignment. Now it's just being faithful to what God's called you to do, to the person that he's called you to be, to the places that he wants us to go. Now for those of us that feel like we're wandering, I'm building things, I'm building my platform, my influence, my wealth, my brand, my status, Maybe not today, but one day, I'm going to ask you, how's that going for you? And I know there's people here today, when I ask that question, how's that, how's that other way been going? And it's like, well, it hasn't really been going anywhere. It hasn't brought what I've been looking for. Listen to this. You've never experienced living. And you'd think I would say until your life is changed. I want to take it a step further. You've never experienced living until you've seen someone else's life change. That's when you've experienced living. Jonah, because he's faithful. He's about to see a whole city change. Jonah 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Now come back next week because Jonah's response is not what you think it's going to be. But a whole city experiences the grace of and the mercy of Jesus simply because one man was faithful to his assignment. I believe today in St. Albert, through Kingdom Church, there is a great assignment in our lives. For some of us, your assignment is your mom, it's your dad, maybe it's your brother, it's your sister, it's your coworker, it's that person you go to school with. It's the person that God has put on your heart. And I truly believe this. If we do not grow weary in doing good, if we do not grow weary in showing up day after day, even when I don't see the results, but I know I'm being faithful to the place and the people that God has called me to, one day you will see lives changed and transformed. And I want us to understand something. Kingdom Church here in St. Albert, since we've existed for the last four years and a bit, we have seen lost people come to life. But guess what? We haven't seen anything yet. Like, it's, it's been cool what God's done, 
but I can't wait to see what God's gonna do because there's gonna come a time and a place where there are gonna be people, multitudes, that said, God changed my life at Kingdom Church. Someone will say, what sermon was it? It wasn't a sermon. There was someone in the church that invited me over to their house and that changed everything. There was these people that, that led a group every single week, they opened their home to us and that changed everything. There was someone at the door one day when I walked in, I was having a horrible day, but they smiled and said, I see you. You see, the heart of God is simply this, that no one should experience judgment, no one should experience damnation. And so what does he do is he calls and he commissions a group of people to say, let's make a dent in that number of people that are living without hope, without purpose, and without true life. And I believe, church, there's power in obedience. There's power in obedience. Can we stand for a second? I want to, I want to set some of us off on mission right now. So if you guys could all, I'll close your eyes, bow your heads. If there's someone here today and you feel like, Harrison, I love this message. I just struggle with the execution. I struggle with the courage. I would love to pray for you today. Come on. Yeah, you can raise your hand. If there's someone here today, I want to pray for you specifically. Father, God, there are so many people that need you. They need hope, they need healing, they need transformation. God, and I just thank you for the people in this place that you have called, that you have commissioned to make a dent. And so Lord, for those of us that have an action step, it's a phone call, it's a text, maybe it's leading a group, maybe it's being more present. God, I pray for the courage to do so. And Lord, I just thank you for the lives that are turning around. I thank you for what you are doing and what you're gonna continue to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed still. If there's someone that wants to just make a recommitment, just a recommitment to Jesus in this place right now, saying, I want, I want him to be Lord of my life, Lord of my heart. If that's you right now, can I just pray for you in this place? Jesus, as well, God, for those of us that have been wandering, those of us that want to make that decision to follow you, God, may we step forward and do that. Thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you for the people that are experiencing your goodness. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we clap our hands? Thanks for listening. If you made it a decision to follow Jesus, or if you want to know more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca.